Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games in the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Lawrence and I'm joined by... This is Dan. Welcome to the podcast. That was a very speedy start. You okay? You keeping up? <laughs> no. Weren't expecting that, were you? No. Well, it Too only gets faster from here. How are you doing today? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm alright, yeah. I'm, I'm reading a bit. But yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Um, I have coffee... And we're here to discuss a game. That's right, as we are most weeks. Um, and I mean, it's quite quite a big-ish game, isn't it, this week? It's, uh, it's got, got quite... Certainly, yeah, a critically acclaimed game. Got quite a fan base. So this week we are talking about number 12. With a meta score of 97, we're looking at Metroid Prime, which came out in the year 2002 and was developed by Retro Studios. So, as far as big games and big series that we've talked about on this this list so far, there's quite a few on there, but this is the first and only game from the Metroid series. And I'd say that I'd, I think Metroid's pretty high up there in terms of its, its legacy, but it isn't quite... It isn't quite Mario and Zelda, is it? But it is still a very highly regarded Nintendo franchise, isn't it? I think it's because of the... um, Obviously, Metroid Prime was the first game in quite some time. Um, So before then, you had... I can't think of what it's called. Super Metroid. and, And that was obviously on the Super Nintendo. And... That game is very, very highly acclaimed, but it kind of misses out on the list due to the fact that it was released when it was released. Mm. Um, the only reason we've got a link to the past on the list is because of the Game Boy Advance version of it. Um, and I know that there are a couple of other um, acclaimed entries as well. Metroid Fusion on the GBA, and we've just recently had Metroid Dread, but it's kind of a, a series that stops and starts. Yeah, it goes for many years before it, it has another entry. Yeah, it, it's never. I mean, as an outsider looking into Metroid, it's never seemed very consistent. It's not, you know, like it is with Mario or Zelda, where every few years you'll get a new game in the franchise. It's one of those things that they leave it for about five or six years, don't they? But between each game, if not more. And I, and I and I think I know why that is. Um, it's never had the commercial success of certainly not Mario. Um, not Zelda either. It's a bit of a cultish so success, isn't it? Yeah, it's got a small, dedicated fan base, and I think Metroid Dread um, did probably the best of any Metroid game. Um, so that really says something about the popularity of the series, and I suppose the widespread popularity, or lack thereof. But it seems to be now um, that people are playing it more. I think Metroid Dread kind of broke new ground for it, so... And uh, we may see more consistent entries from now on, but I wouldn't hold your breath. So we've kind of, well, we've not really touched on it there, but that, that leads us quite nicely into discussing our history with the game. You're quite knowledgeable with this series. Maybe not as knowledgeable as you are Am with I? you know other series, but you know a lot more about Metroid than I do. I think you've you've got a bit of experience bit, with these games. So, so what's your history with Metroid Prime? 
I, yeah, I, I still consider myself to be a bit of a layman in terms of the Metroid series. Um, so, obviously, I'd heard about Metroid Prime at the time. When it was released, it kind of made waves, this game did, and I had a GameCube at the time. Um, and I kind of always uh, had an eye on it. And actually, the first Metroid game I picked up was Metroid Prime 2 Echoes. Now, I can't say that I got very far in the single player, um, but I did dabble with it, and I dabbled with the multiplayer as well. Um, then, dormant for a very long time, and um, picked up the trilogy on the Wii U, and started playing Metroid Prime. Probably got... Um, I got past the intro, um, into the Talon Overworld, and just... I don't think it was the kind of game that I wanted to play right then, so I just didn't really carry on. Um, but this year, um, for Christmas I got Metroid Dread. I completed Metroid Dread, I thought that was a good game, good solid game, really enjoyed that. Um, and it kind of got me into the mind space of Metroid, what it is, and um, I suppose what, what people like about it. So that helped me with, a bit with playing Metroid Prime. Um, but apart from that, this is the first time I've completed Metro, Metro Prime. I completed it last night uh, on the Wii U using the Wii controller. Did my wrist in. That was great. But yeah, that's, that's that about wraps up my history. It's not that extensive for this one. So, But I know yours is even less, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, my only experience with Metroid is probably playing with Samus a little bit on Super Smash. That's, that's literally it. I've got passing knowledge of the series prior to playing this game like i know that samus is a bounty hunter i know that at the end of the first game there's that big reveal when samus takes off the armor and it turns out to be a woman because back in the late 80s that wasn't really a it wasn't really a thing action heroes and games weren't really women so that, that was very progressive yeah that that was a big deal and I know that if you completed the first Metroid game in like under three hours or something, when Samus takes off her armor, she's in a bikini or something. Um, oh, well, that's not so progressive. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, just to counter the progressiveness of it. Um, but other than I that... I think Samus is a very, very cool character. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I also knew about the, um, about the main antagonist, uh, uh, Ridley. Uh, it's Meta Ridley in this one, isn't it? It is Meta, Meta Ridley, Ridley. And Samus is a bounty hunter, and Ridley, I believe, killed a family or something? I don't know. You, you got me there. I don't know. I think that might be the backstory behind their relationship, but I'm not entirely sure. But in terms of playing any Metroid games, never played one, never had any interest, never had any desire to but we've discussed a few times on this podcast that I didn't grow up with Nintendo and I've always been a little bit more I wouldn't say uninterested but I've always been a bit more reserved about Nintendo games because growing up I always saw them as for, for kids really and I kind of saw Metroid as being like a I know an FPS for children which I know that it isn't and I always say that with Nintendo yeah. games but obviously Nintendo's I'd say Metroid especially was never never marketed at children no um, I'd say it's quite a mature game really considering Nintendo's output I think this one specifically and and also the difficulty generally speaking of the Metroid games doesn't 
play nicely with kids, I'd say. No, it it isn't the easiest game. But yeah, this was this was my first experience playing it, and same as you, I uh, played it on the Wii U with the Wii controller, which I've never owned a Wii controller before. Obviously, I've played it at other people's houses, but I'd forgotten how awkward they are, particularly when you're playing a game that isn't motion-controlled. But yeah, that's a wrap-up of my history with it, really. Effectively, zero. So what's the plot in this game? Because like we said, this this comes after a couple of other games. There's a bit of lore behind it. So what's the plot in this game? What happens? So you are on a planet called Talon 4, um, and it was formerly inhabited by the Chozo, and a large Metroid uh, impacted the planet and caused a huge crater and killed off the Chozo. Well, I don't know if it killed them off, but it infected them with Phazon, um, which is a toxic material. And within this uh, Metroid impact, a creature landed on the planet. And what the Chozo did, they used these artifacts to lock the creature away. Um, but you pick up much later on, I think it's five decades later, and you are Samus Aran. Um, or Samus Aran, however you want to say it. And Seamus Aran. You... <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the one. Um, and you, you arrive on uh, a, a spaceship. can't remember what the spaceship's called. But you're in pursuit of some... Well, no, basically you've had a distress, a, dis, a distress call. And yeah, you're checking it out. Yeah, you're checking it out. Basically the space pirates have wiped out the crew on this spaceship. And you go in there and... You, you fight a boss and it gets destroyed and you see Meta Ridley uh, heading for Talon 4 and you follow Meta Ridley there and you arrive on this planet. And part of this game is to unlock the lore of quite what, what went on and all the experiments that the space pirates are doing to try and unlock the... Uh, or try and release the creature within the crater um, by getting the artifacts and over the course of your adventure you get the artifacts and you go into the crater and there you see Metroid Prime, which is actually the big boss of this game, not Ridley. Um, and and what is it what is a Metroid? So a Metroid is this kind of floating brain jellyfish thing. And the Metroid Prime is something completely different. It's I mean it, it it's still one of those creatures, but when you first see it it's it's quite creepy even. Um it's just the first time you see it it's like this face. Um so yeah, it's it's a... Uh, it's a game, I'd say, inspired by things like Alien. Um, and you said Dead Space as well. There's, there's vibes of that about it. Yeah. there's There was another comparison. Because, yeah, I, I, I voice noted to you the other day saying that I got a vibe of Alien Isolation from it as well as, as Dead Space. But there is another one as well, kind of, that is quite a regular trope in games, I feel. At, at the end of the... I'd call it the prologue when you've... You've been on that ship and you've you've defeated the Queen Parasites. Samus loses all of her gear and all of her abilities. Yeah. And as you progress back through the game, you have to unlock these abilities again, which is a feature in games I don't really enjoy. And it really reminds me of... Um, do you remember the first Assassin's Creed game? Yeah. You start off at the beginning as, as um, Altair and he's got all of his cool Assassin's garb. And then they're like, actually... I'll tell you, you suck. So we're going to stab you and take away all your gear and you've got to re-unlock it. And I got a vibe of that with, with Metroid Prime because you have to go through the the map and go through the world unlocking all of the abilities that you had at the start of the game. 
So it gives you a taste and then it rips them away, which is always a uh, I think it's worth a frustrating though, thing that it did that before a lot of games did it. It, it did it before it probably became a trope. Um, yeah, true. I, I say that it reminds me of. Um, I say that it reminds me of Assassin's Creed, but I think the first Assassin's Creed came out in two thousand and six, whereas this came out in two thousand and two. I think that might have been two thousand and seven. The first Assassin's Creed, even actually, yeah, that yeah, that sounds more. Yeah, two thousand and seven. I think you're right. Um, so, a, a big part of this game, I feel, is environmental storytelling. The story in this game is. By the by, a lot of it is picking up, you know, data pads and, and learning more about, like you say, it's the all about the atmosphere of this game. Yeah, it's atmospheric and it's environmental. And Retroid Studio, uh, Retro Studio, sorry, did quite a lot of adding in touches to really make you feel a part of the um, part of the world. So one of the things that I really liked about this game, and it, it gets mentioned in quite a lot of reviews and media about Metroid Prime is Samus is a bounty hunter and she wears this this bounty hunter suit with a helmet and a visor and it's been mentioned in a lot of things but you know when you see like a flash of light or, or something goes dark for a moment you see Samus's face reflecting the interior of a visor yeah love that which I thought was a really cool thing and also something I really liked was when you're in the, the hot areas like the um oh, what's the lava area called Magmore Caverns yes um you see condensation inside a helmet which i thought was a really cool um little little addition i suppose so in terms of the look and the the sound of this game i i've mentioned previously that this game isn't on the levels as mario and zelda in terms of nintendo's franchise uh, franchises but you know that that sound that happens whenever you pick something up in zelda yeah yeah Metroid's got that as well, except it's a little bit of a longer one, but it's something that I recognised. Yeah, and I quite like their little fanfare of when you when you pick something up because there's the the bigger fanfare when you get something major, and then there's the smaller one when you pick up something that's you know good but not as important. Same as Zelda, and yeah. this game has got a very very good soundtrack, and even when there's not much going on. The ambient music in the background is very good. Um, I think it's quite memorable, and it's very—it sounds like a really crap description, but it's very video gamey. The soundtrack, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, apparently, Nintendo themselves did the soundtrack for the game, um, so this was a Nintendo soundtrack, and I agree, it's got those sound cues that are instantly recognisable. I think there's another one when you save the game, um, you get this sound cue that. Yeah, Nintendo just does stuff like that really well. Um, these satisfying sound cues that show that you've achieved something, that you've been rewarded or you've saved the game. or And the save points aren't so frequent that sometimes it's nice to get to a save point in this game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's um, I, the, the, the thing that I find with this game is... Actually, no, we won't come on to that just yet. Let's discuss the gameplay as king. So we, we've discussed in this game that a lot of it is environmental and atmospheric storytelling. So a lot of this is, is gameplay um, focused. So, I mean, in terms of the game itself, first of all, do you think it's fun? 
Yeah, I think the core the core gameplay is fun. I think um, controlling Samus feels good, and even using the Wii controller, which is obviously not not the original way that this game was made to be played. It was played using a GameCube controller, um, but controlling Samus feels good. It feels. I'm pretty sure this game runs at 60 frames per second. Could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it does on the Wii U, um, and it feels very. Uh, reactive and one thing that I especially like is uh, this is probably getting on to um, favorite bit I love the double jump and we've talked about first-person platforming in things like Half-Life and how they miss the mark in my opinion and this game does first-person platforming well I never really had a problem with it and I don't quite know what they did to make it easier but depth perception wasn't as big an issue here as it is in other games and that double jump it just feels great to do it's not perfect because sometimes the combat lets it down a bit and especially in the latter half I don't know if it's trying to pad out the game but it feels like there's an excessive amount of combat and I'd say that this game is at its best when you're doing the environmental exploration, you're maybe platforming, you're looking for things, you're solving puzzles. Um, the game is not at its best when it's throwing a bunch of enemies at you in every single room that respawn as soon as you go back into that room. Um, the boss fights are cool. Um, but yeah, I got a bit fed up of the monotony of just respawning enemies in rooms. But yeah, generally yeah, you, I'd say it's fun. You, you and me discussed the, the respawning thing yesterday, didn't we? Because... The, 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 the way that I describe this game is it's fun but it's tiresome and I'm no fan of backtracking in games and going through areas that you've already been it's one of the big things that put me off Jedi Fallen Order for quite a while until I finally went back to complete it a few weeks ago is that you're constantly going back through areas you've been in you're constantly fighting enemies that you've already defeated and the the actual gameplay itself, the, the things that you can do, like you say, the platforming, the different gadgets that you can get, the um, the additions to when you... Uh, what's it called when you uh, curl up into the ball? Um, morph ball. Yeah, the morph ball. Like the different variations of the morph ball that you can get, they're really fun, but it's just ruined to some extent with just the amount of backtracking going back into areas you've already been. And, you know, a lot of the time... that that is what metroid always was um so if you grew up playing those games it's probably what you expected from a 3d metroid but yeah i agree with you for me not a big metroid player i yearned, it puts you off doesn't it to some extent i yearned for a fast travel feature because i was tired of having traveled through uh, magmore caverns for the umpteenth time so yeah i i agree with you but i think i mean in metroid dread as well you, you do you backtrack to areas and you've unlocked new abilities by the time you go back. But I think the difference, I'd say, between Metroid Prime and other Metroids, from what I've read, is that, and certainly with Metroid Dread, you, you unlock abilities to help you to speed through those areas you've already visited in the 2D Metroid games, and maybe in the, the other Prime games, I don't know. But in Metroid Prime, it feels like... You could really do with a, a speed boost for Samus, but you never get one. Um, just to get through those environments a bit more quickly, because there isn't much fun about 
re-entering the same room six or seven times over the course of the game, fighting new enemies within that room to progress. You're right, for me at least. Um, so I agree with you, but I suppose for diehard Metroid fans, that may not be a critique, it may be just part of the series. Yeah, it's just a description for them, I suppose. To to because you, you you just said that your your favorite move to do is the the double jump and the platforming, right? Well, I I'd say as I've said that already, I'll say the morph ball as well is is great. It's so it's delightful to to use the morph ball. The fact that you can do a double jump with the morph ball, the fact that if you flick up the uh, Wii controller, you can jump, and then you've got the bombs as well. Yeah, it's just it's just great fun to use the morph ball. The morph ball was cool. I liked a lot of the um, the upgrades or the re-upgrades that you, you get throughout the game, and the, the 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 main tool that you start off the game off with is obviously the, the the laser blaster on Samus's armor, your scanner, and as you progress through the game, you get more upgrades to the scanner, etc. And I'm a big fan of using thermal, oh, really? um, yeah, thermal scopes and stuff in you know uh, like. Call of Duty and stuff. I think it just makes things a lot easier. And I, I don't know. I, I just think it's a cool quirk. So I quite liked using the um, the thermal, uh, the thermal scanner on the on the visor a bit. And, and granted, it wasn't long after I picked up the thermal visor that I um I ran out of time because I, again I didn't complete this game, but I got quite far I think. And yeah, I I just really enjoyed using that. But that's just a a thing that I enjoy using in all games, you know? So when that popped up, I was like, oh, cool. I like this. This will be fun. One thing I um, didn't like, and maybe it's a quirk of the Wii version, it was it was really, especially towards the end of the game, it was really getting on my nerves, having to change um, the type of uh, weapon you're using. So you, later on in the game, you face enemies. Yeah, like the, 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 the ice weapon and the, and the fire weapon and stuff on, yeah, the, on the different later enemies on you've got um you've got basically you've got space pirates and the only way that you can defeat them is with a certain type and you might have three types in a room so you've got um one fire type pirate one um energy type pirate and one power type pirate and, and you're just constantly switching and it, it was just painful to keep switching and it was painful to keep switching the, the the vision types as well it just felt like it wasn't it, it didn't fit nicely onto the wii controller and again that's probably more of a criticism of the wii version than the gamecube version which had more buttons um but yeah it was driving me a bit mad especially in the final metroid prime fight where you're changing your vision constantly you're changing your gun constantly um my arm my my arms were aching by the end of it I think I would have definitely preferred this game if I was using a GameCube controller. <laughs> it's a great controller, the GameCube controller. So, say what? It's a great controller. Yeah, I, I really like the GameCube controller. Um, I've seen a lot of videos discussing different controllers and how they're so good. And the DualShock 2 always comes up as one of the best controllers of all time. But the GameCube is usually just topping that. Yeah, I think the GameCube is better personally. Plus it's purple. And you've got the triggers on there, which is one of the first controllers to have those triggers. And mm. it fits really nicely into your hands. Yeah, I like the GameCube. But to be, I just like the GameCube in general. Um, yeah, I like the GameCube. I think it's a, it's an underrated console. Um, and they Nintendo didn't ever really 
give it too much of a chance, I don't think, which is a shame because it's a, it's a quirky little thing. Well, they, they they struggled because they were trying to play the power game against Xbox and PS2, weren't they? And they what they put out was a console between the power of the PS2 and the Xbox. Um, obviously, the Xbox was more powerful and the PS2 was less powerful. Um, so, yeah, it was the last time that Nintendo really played that game and I think they realised it wasn't their strong suit. No, no, and it's always been that way for Nintendo, hasn't it? Nintendo's got its its licenses, and that's what Nintendo does well, as well as, you know, quirky... quirky yeah, and their quirky, unique gameplay. And, you know, at, at least they did better than Sega in the console market, I suppose you could say. Well, they're, they're thriving now, so, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I remember in like 2012 or 2013, I, I remember saying to you that I'd seen a video on YouTube saying, "Is Nintendo going to um, is Nintendo going to fold?" Because the uh, the Wii U started off as quite a uh, quite quite a problem console, oh, didn't it? it? it but then it you were like, "Ah, oh, no, it's going to be absolutely problem. fine." Yeah. Well, the Wii U was it was a failure, really. I mean, it's it's a, I think it's a nice little console, but yeah, it was a step back for them. Yeah, definitely. They shouldn't have called it the Wii U to begin with. Bad name. <laughs> ridiculous but there's one other thing that i wanted to point out in regards to this game as a a main focus i don't know if you agree but i got real vibes of goldeneye from this game i don't know why but there were there were moments where i felt like there were similarities to be drawn and obviously goldeneye was a nintendo game but developed by rare but do, do you know what i mean no feel free to say no well you'd have to elaborate as to what parallels you got I don't even know if I've got parallels. There were just moments where I was like, this makes me think of Goldeneye, but I don't know why. Maybe it's the, the music, but again, I don't know. But... Yeah, perhaps. I don't know. But it was something that I wanted to bring up just to see if, if you might have telepathically known what I was kind of talking about or getting at, because I can't really explain it. But there were moments where I was like, this feels very Goldeneye-esque. Well, they're both atmospheric and they both do their own thing in terms of first-person shooting. This is not your Halo-style, Call of Duty-style shooting. No. It's its own thing. And I think to even compare it to those games doesn't really do it any justice. Yeah, I'd say so. And I, I agree that this is definitely the, the, the case that, you know, Goldeneye was a very unique fps and this one is as well so maybe that's where i'm drawing the comparison i'm not sure but um yeah in- interesting because I-, I i couldn't work out where i got that vibe from but here we are so what's the question of the week this week because i uh <laughs> i was driving back from work and i asked you if you could do the question of the week this week just because i was getting back late so before we move on to the question of the week um mm. i don't think we've really discussed the visuals so much um and actually, I think this game looks pretty good for a game released in 2002. I think I, I like Samus's character model. It's really chunky and looks nice. I like the biomes. I think the areas could have done with a bit more variety. Um, and, and this will lead nicely on to uh, the question of the week. But what I felt was it was an interesting world and I wanted to see more of it you kind of get a handful of different biomes so you get the snow world you get the fire world you get 
um, the overworld, you get the, uh, the the Chozo ruins, which are kind of like the ancient world. Um, yeah, so you, you get some variety and they've all got their own colour schemes and that. But yeah, I would have liked to see more. Um, but yeah, I still think it looks good for a, a game released in 2002. I think it looks probably better than a lot of games from that time. It, it, I mean, the, the, the look of this game is categorically Nintendo, isn't it? Because you think of other games that came out in 2002 that might have been trying to be more realistic, like MGS2, or that's the only other game I can think of. What year did Mario Sunshine come out? Um, that was 2002 as well. Or was that 2003? I think it was 2002. But around the same time. You know, Nintendo... Nintendo games, particularly of that era, had a very unique look about them. They weren't trying to be, you know, like you say, Halo, or they weren't trying to be MGS or look realistic. They were just trying to be what they were. And, you know, you've got the same with um, Wind Waker that we discussed. Obviously, that is a very, very unique looking game. But yeah, this is a this is a good looking game and particularly for for its age. I mean, this this game's a 20 year old game now. And I still think that it does look good. And obviously we've played a slightly upscaled version of it on the Wii U. Um, it probably doesn't look quite as good playing it on the GameCube anymore. No. But still, this this game does stand up in terms of in terms of its visuals, you know? Yeah, I think I preferred the look of this game to Halo, for example. Um, I think um, I personally I, think... I wouldn't, but I can understand why you'd say that. Funnily enough, I think Halo looks a bit more cartoony than this, um, with its kind of over-the-top characters. And obviously, you might think of the anniversary version, but I think the original, yeah, just I got a bit more cartoony. But especially with those little, uh, the little things in Halo that run around and and, and scream. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember what they're called. The 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 they're really irritating enemies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, but but, um, but yeah, obviously something like Metal Gear Solid Two looks um, more grounded than something like Metroid. So hit hit me with the question of the week. Okay, so um, as I said, I think I think Metroid Prime and probably the Metroid series in general creates a really sort of fascinating world with its lore and with its main character and. One of the things that I found myself wondering was what does Samus do when she's not hunting for Metroid? Um, so there, there was a lot of talk at one time about a film or, or even a TV show um, around Metroid. And I think it would lend itself nicely to that. But my question of the week is, um, what other games do you think suggest or or lend themselves nicely to a, a tv show specifically and what i mean is you've got the game itself you've got your gameplay you've got the world presented by the game but you want to see beyond the borders you want to see what the world that kind of follows the rule of the game looks like what those characters do outside of the game and we're, we're getting obviously the last of us as a tv show and i think that's not a bad uh, one actually i think that's pretty good because you do want to see what, what happens beyond the world of that game, how other people are coping, how other... And I don't know if the TV show will go into that. Maybe it will. But it's certainly a world that is begging to be explored. And I think Metroid 2 is a world that is begging to be explored. So what other worlds do you think are begging to be explored 
via a TV show um, that come to your mind? Probably Fallout. Okay. Fallout would be up there, and maybe the Elder Scrolls. Uh, no, not so much the Elder Scrolls, because you've got Game of Thrones that does that, to be honest with you. Um, but I'd say Fallout, probably. I think that's a good one. Yeah, I'd also say, I don't think it's a game that you've played, but Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. That one, I think, would be interesting, just because I don't know of many games that are set in that time era in Japan. Yeah. So I'd say those two. I'm just looking at my game collection to see if I can um, glean anything else. I mean, I I, I want to say Red Dead Redemption, but realistically, Red Dead Redemption is a movie in itself anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think. But yeah, I'd, I'd say Fallout and Ghost of Tsushima are, are my uh, my top. My and top what do you picks. think about those worlds? I mean, you, you kind of touched on it with Ghost of Tsushima. Um, but what about Fallout makes that world an enticing prospect for a TV show? Well, just because of the amount of possibilities that you've got with it. The, the reason that I find Fallout a, an interesting game series is because it's got this whole 1950s, 1960s Americana vibe, but in a world where there was a nuclear war and everything just frozen time and you know everything's broken but you still see these old like 50s chevrolet kind of cars and cadillac cars hanging around and there's just a a whole lot that could be explored with that game and you think about the two the two games that came out on the the 360 and ps3 being fallout 3 and then fallout new vegas fallout new vegas is in a completely different part of america to to Fallout 3, because Fallout 3 is based in, in Washington, D.C., whereas New Vegas is based in, obviously, Vegas in, in California. Uh, yeah, New California. And <laughs> I think there's so much... I, no, I, I, was being, I was being silly, yeah. What were you thinking? Oh, no, I just... I said, because uh, Vegas is actually Nevada, isn't it? But I just... It is, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, and then Fallout 4 was, was based in um, Massachusetts, I think. It was, I think it was around Boston. Was it Boston? No, because uh, Salem, something about Salem. Well, that is Massachusetts. Yeah, it is, yeah. I thought I thought it was Massachusetts. So yeah, I think there's a lot that you could explore with Fallout. And I mean, a, another TV show that you know is relatively successful from a video game is The Witcher. Yeah, um, I've I've not watched any of it because I'm not really into The Witcher, but I've heard I think, that it's very I think that- good kind of draws more upon the books than the games i think it's definitely influenced by the games and the popularity mm. of the games but they yeah. had a, an absolute ton of stuff to pull from the books which are very very good got um, you yeah so i mean I'm, I'm i'm a massive fan of the witcher books and a massive fan of the witcher games so yeah so ones that that came to my mind were i mean this is probably a bit of a cheat answer really, or maybe bioshock like, as well i'll be quiet enough. yeah bioshock was one that i said the exact same thing about when we did the episode on Bioshock. I think it's such an interesting world that spawned Rapture. And I want to see beyond the walls of Rapture. And yeah, I think that that, that, that was one. That was one that I was thinking when I came up with the question. So the, the, another one that I'm thinking of is one that's already had a film. So it's a bit of a, a cheat answer, really. But I'd like to see a Silent Hill TV show. I think that'd be really interesting. I think, again, the possibilities for some kind of quirky thing are just really 
only limited by your imagination. Um, another one, I don't know if I've mentioned this game much on the podcast, um, but it's one actually that I will be including in my 15 games. And this is one of my one that I'm one of the ones that I'm definitely going to be including, which is Eternal Darkness. Do you do you know much about Eternal Darkness? Is that the game that came out for the GameCube and it's got the like the, the maniac things where like it changes your t- well it looks like it's yeah, changing your TV volume and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the insanity effects, that's it. Yeah, yeah, it's that one. And again, it just presents this world. I mean, in that game you you go literally from Roman era to modern day and everywhere in between and it's just such a I mean I don't know how well it's aged because I've not played it in some time, but it's such a unique game. I think it would be, yeah, lend itself really nicely to some kind of TV show set in that world where, I mean, you could you could do the different time periods, the different characters across time. It was a game that was begging for a sequel, but it never came. And I think um, Nintendo still obviously holds the rights to it. Um, it was created by a company called Silicon Knights. I think Silicon Knights is now... Oh, I've heard of them. Yeah, I don't think they're around anymore. But um, the the guy who was the head of Silicon Knights, I think his name is Dennis Dyack or something, um, every now and again he'll propose this sequel. And at one time there was there was going to be a sequel that he was trying to kickstart called um, something of the Eternals or something. But yeah, never never happened, unfortunately. And I would love to see more from Eternal Darkness. And we will be discussing, obviously, during the episode... And that'll be one of the ones that I challenge you to complete, just to see what you think of the game as a whole. Um, yeah, so that's that's another one of mine. I think horror games generally lend themselves quite nicely to TV shows. Um, some of the ones that get bandied about, I have got no interest in. Like the, for years, obviously, before the Halo TV show show became a thing. Yeah, Halo. people were talking about the Halo TV show, and I don't know. To me, I, I feel like I'm dumping on Halo in this episode but I quite like Halo um, uh, but I think it's probably better as a game than a TV show I've not seen the yeah. TV show though so th- I could be wrong you've got the new Super Mario uh, is it film or TV show coming out as well in the next film year or so Chris is it film yeah Super Chris Pratt playing Mario <laughs> which will be interesting yeah definitely uh, I mean I'm, I'm probably not going to watch it I'm not you know a huge watched, Mario fan um, I watched the Detective Pikachu film. That was surprisingly entertaining. I saw the trailers for that and it did look good because uh, it's Ryan Reynolds that's Pikachu, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Pikachu's great. Final thoughts then. Do you think that Metroid Prime deserves to be on this list? I think this is one of the harder ones for me. Um, mm. I think this game has is a, is a game that's in some ways very, very good but also quite flawed. Um, as I said, I would have preferred a sort of fast travel system, even though that's probably blasphemy to um, players of the Metroid series. And it was too combat heavy in the in the back half. And it's a game that I don't think combat is its strongest element. As I said, I think the game thrives when you're exploring. One thing I will say is that that sweet spot that it kind of gets into when you solve something or you work out where to go or you use your upgrade in the right place that moment is really really satisfying that it creates um 
I think what Metroid Prime did, they effectively took um, the Metroid formula and turned it into a 3D game. This was this was a case of um, 2D Mario turning into 3D Mario with 64 again. Nintendo and Retro Studios did it with another franchise. They turned a successful 2D game into a successful 3D game, and I don't I don't think it's always that easy to do. And there was talk about a Metroid game coming to the Nintendo 64 in 3D. But apparently Nintendo could never figure it out. So it obviously took a lot of work to get to where they did with Metroid Prime. And considering the end result, I think it's quite impressive. Um, I did enjoy it. And I read a fantastic quote yesterday from someone talking about Metroid Prime. Someone, someone was saying, um, basically mentioning all the flaws. And there are flaws. And someone responded and said, he had to be there at the time. It mm. was a big deal. And I can't do that as someone that's playing it, completing it for the first time in 2020. years later. Yeah, 20 years later. It's a long time. I'd say it's aged quite well for a game from 2002. Yeah. Um, there, there are games on this list that we've played from 2002 that haven't aged nearly that well. So I'll probably err on the safe side and say it does deserve to be there, but not in the position that it's in. I would say it deserves to be actually near the end of the list, um, probably down in the 90s somewhere. But I'd say it represents a different version of an FPS. And I think it probably did more for me in terms of the promise of what it could be than something like... Halo, dare I say again. Um, yeah, I I think it has more potential than something like that, whereas I think Halo is more of a straight shooter, uh, for better or worse. So yeah, I'd say near the end of the list, I'm going to say it deserves to be there. It's not my strongest conviction in terms of that, but that's what I'm going to say. Yeah, fair enough. I... Before you started speaking, I was going to say, no, I don't think it deserves to be on the list, but I hadn't considered the possibility of putting it lower. And I think that's probably the best course for it. I'd probably put it a little higher than the 90s. Maybe I'd put it in the 70s, perhaps. But yeah, I don't think it deserves to be as as high as it is. And I think that no. quote that you, you, you just referenced, you had to be there at the time. I think that's probably the case for a lot of games on this list. It is. And, you know, we, we, we talk about these games and a lot of them we don't really get and we don't really vibe with. Some of them will pleasantly surprise us and others that we don't really like. And this one, I I went into it with an open mind and I wasn't really sure what I was expecting. I knew what kind of game it was, but it didn't blow me away or anything. Uh, I thought it was it was fine. It was a good game and I respect what it is and it's kind of its legacy for that series but on its own I wouldn't put it high in the top 100 video games of all time so I'm going to say yeah it does deserve to be here but same as you a lot lot lower than it is um would be my my wrap-up of it I suppose cool but it's a game of very high highs and some disappointing lows and, and it's hard to reconcile that when you're 
especially 20 years later. Um, difficult proposition for us, I think. Yeah, definitely. But I'm glad that I played it. It was, um, you yeah. know, it, it, it was an interesting experience and I didn't not enjoy myself, you know? So yeah, exactly. it was all right, is what I'll say. It was all right. <laughs> so we've got next time... I think we're we've got another episode coming out next Thursday, haven't we? And then oh, I think no, we're we've taking got, a, we've got a week off, and then got then you. We've got, so we've got a week off, and then we've got uh, yes. a game, which is one of your favourite games, I believe, of all time. So you're probably going to be very critical of it, aren't you? Well, we'll see. We'll see how. I mean, I've, I've started. You and I both started a playthrough of this game fairly recently, and I'm continuing that playthrough. And. I played a bit last night, actually. So it's, for this game, it's all going to be... I've, I've completed it several times, but it's, it's all going to be um, how does it stand up in 2022, and that's the difficult question. So the game in question is Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. So look forward to that one in a couple of weeks. All you had to do was follow the damn train. That's, <laughs> that's, that's all you had to do. But... We hope you have enjoyed our episode on Metroid Prime. If you want to reach out to us, as always, we're on social media at the Long and Short of It podcast. You can email us at the Long and Short of It podcast at hotmail.com. And as always, if you have enjoyed this, please consider giving us uh, a rating or a, a thumbs up or a thumbs down or whatever it is, wherever it is that you listen to us. But that is pretty much it from me. Anything else from you for today? No, that's it from me. Very good. Well, we hope you've enjoyed the episode and we'll see you in two weeks' time for GTA San Andreas. Cheerio. See you on the next one.